welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. Professor Margaret Kuhn, K-U-H-N, is a research scientist. Some uh, two decades ago now, probably, uh, she did some uh, research on the habits of migratory birds. In particular, she looked at migrating geese. And uh, no doubt you would have heard of some of the, um, the interesting points that she discovered in her research. Things like these birds that are able to fly thousands of kilometres from one side of the continent to another have some particular and unique characteristics. One of them is they rotate leadership when they fly. She also discovered that, uh, and you might have heard this, that the leadership is apportioned to the geese who can best handle turbulence. They also are able to fly in a particular formation, in a V formation, because where the goose is at that V, the flapping of their wings creates an updraft for the geese coming behind. By flying in a V formation, she discovered that geese can fly up to 71% further simply because they're in that configuration than they could if they were flying individually. The other thing that she discovered, and this is, this is relevant to today's talk, is that they honk as they fly. She hypothesised that the honking is not an expression of pain, my lungs are going to burst, or can't we have a break and catch our breath? Rather, the honking is assumed to be, and there's some evidence for this, to be geese in the V formation honking encouragement to the leaders to keep going. In a previous church that I belonged to, there was a young man who didn't have a, a motor vehicle and uh, he was part of our church family. And so on Sunday mornings, I would drive, it wasn't on my way, it was out of my way. And so it was a round trip of about 45 minutes to p pick up this young 21-year-old and bring him to church. We had a lot of time together in the car. And our conversations would invariably turn towards church and uh, towards my leadership and so on. And uh, this young man would often say, Jeff, I want to encourage you. Yeah, that was my response too. Because there was no reason, he didn't give me any reason to be encouraged. He just said the word. In the same church... There's an older man and uh, he was always giving me evidence of why I should be encouraged because he would pick up on something that I'd done or something that I said and he would say how that had helped him and how he had applied that during the week. 
and he would give me feedback, but not just me, everyone in the church family got encouragement from this older man. We haven't seen this guy for um, over nine months. He came to my birthday party in January, haven't seen him since. At the end of September, he rings up early in the morning and talks to Glenda and says, happy birthday, Glenda. He's remembered that it's her birthday. He's still at it. He's still doing the encouraging thing. He's still making people or giving people evidence of how they have been helpful to him. There are different ways of helping people to reach their potential. I have a few tangible examples here this morning. Here's one way. (laughs) The stick approach sometimes motivates people to do more than they otherwise would. This is an example of my gardening prowess. I picked it this morning. It's a deformed carrot. I hope my preaching's better than my gardening. There's the carrot approach. You remember? You know, hang it off in front of a donkey, encourage the donkey to keep striving for it. There's the motivation or the reward to keep going. And then there are appropriate words, well thought out, appropriate and timely words of encouragement. And that's what I want to talk about today. Which one works best on you? For most of us, I think it is the encouragement. I think it is the timely, well-considered words, encouraging us to do more, to be more. I think it's hard to overestimate the power of a positive word. In Luke 3, we read about Jesus' baptism. He comes to the Jordan and offers himself to be baptised by John. Jesus had no need of being baptised, as you would recognise. He hadn't committed any sin. John's baptism was for forgiveness of sin and uh, opening oneself up to God. Jesus had no need to do that, but as an act of solidarity with the human race, as a a prophetic um, demonstration of his purpose, he submitted to baptism. When he came up out of the water, the, uh, the Bible says that the heaven opened and Spirit of God descended on him like a dove. And as he was praying to God in response to all that had, had gone on, a voice was heard. Implicitly, it was God's voice. And God said to him, You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. Why did Jesus receive such an encouraging message at that point? 
I mean, he'd already made up his mind what his life's purpose was. There was no doubt about that. He wasn't ambivalent about that. He already knew what God had called him to. The other thing is he hadn't done anything yet. This was at the start of his public ministry. No healings, no miracles, no signs and wonders yet. But God says to him out loud so other people can hear it, you're my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. I don't know, but I suspect that that timely, well-considered word from his father held him in good stead throughout the rest of his life when things kind of got a bit, am I on the right track here? Is this, is this really what I'm called to do? Not that he had, he had uh, crises of faith at all, but I think the encouragement that he received at that moment steeled his inner resolve and added value to the decisions that he'd already made to keep on being who God had called him to be. If the father considered it wise to publicly declare his love for Jesus and encourage him at the start of Jesus' ministry, how much more do we need encouragement? Every one of us is a person who needs encouragement and most of us need it fairly often. At its simplest, the purpose of encouragement is to build others up. The little word en, E-N, the prefix to words, means to put into or on. So if you're going to encase something, E-N, case something, you're going to put it into a case. If you're going to envision somebody, you're going to put vision into them. If you're going to encourage somebody, you're going to put courage into them. You're going to put courage into them that they might never otherwise possess. Courage to try again for a job. Courage to face up to a difficult situation. Courage to witness or pray for a colleague. Courage to take a risk. Courage to make a difference. When God saves us, he adopts us into his family. As part of God's family, we have surrendered the right to live independent from God and independent from each other. When we become Christians, we give up the right to live selfishly. Our calling from God is to demonstrate his loving character to other people, both inside and outside the church. After talking about a sense of calling, 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 11 says this. We'll have it on the screen. Therefore, after, after our calling, what we're called to, therefore encourage one another and build up each other as indeed you are doing. To be an encourager requires only one basic qualification as far as I can work out. And that is, realise that people matter. 
and then simply find ways of demonstrating that fact to them. People matter to God and so they ought to matter to us. If you don't hear anything else I say this morning, hear this. At the very core of encouragement is the truth that encouragement is simply reminding another person of their true value. The purpose of encouraging people and being encouraged is that it builds us up to help us fulfill our destiny in God. Now there's a place for challenge, there's a place for rebuke. You don't encourage a thief or a drunkard to keep doing what they're doing. Rather, you'd probably rebuke them or you might actually encourage them to surrender their life to God and ask God's help to change from the inside out. So challenge and rebuke are fine. But I think there's a great power in encouragement. And here's the second point I want to make. The power of encouragement. Even if we could do it, God will never allow us to live in isolation from our brothers and sisters. He's put us into a community. He's put us into a family. When we ask God to forgive us and we open our lives to him and give him the right to direct our lives, to be in charge of our lives, he puts us in a family and we have to live in that sense of community. And the reason is because the synergy of journeying together can be profound. Like geese, together we become exponentially much more than we ever can in isolation from each other. Our mission is too expansive for us to accomplish it by ourselves. Every one of us needs other people to become what God intends us to be. That's why God puts us in communities and in families. Left to our own devices, we would very quickly lose our perspective and get sidetracked or we would get offended. We need one another to stay the course. The answer to to Cain's question very early in the Bible, God asked God asked him where his brother Abel was and Cain says, how should I know? Am I my brother's keeper? The answer to that question is a resounding yes you are when we are in God's family. We are responsible for each other to a degree. Deuteronomy is, um, is a long book in the Bible It's uh, three lengthy speeches given by Moses as he recounts towards the end of his uh, leadership of Israel. He recounts Israel's history. And uh, in that first speech, he's talking to the people of Israel. They're gathered there together and he's, he's recounting their history. And he's recounting particularly in the first speech God's judgment on them because of their lack of faith and because their, um, their inability to kind of see what he was doing 
and to, to understand that he was for them. Their lack of faith and their rebellion. And so Moses says, and this is why God is doing these things. Here's what he says. The Lord was even angry with me, he's telling the people, because of you people. And he said, Moses, I won't let you go into the land either. So here's God's judgment on them. They're not going to enter the promised land. They've been rebellious and they've been unfaithful. Instead, I will let Joshua, your assistant, lead Israel to conquer the land. So encourage him. Only two people out of that whole um, group of refugees from Egypt were going to be able to enter the promised land. They've been on a journey. Only two of them, Caleb and Joshua. One would imagine that because they'd passed the test, they'd feel pretty good about themselves. The fact that they were the only two who'd done well enough to get a 10... And yet God says to Moses, encourage him. Encourage Joshua. Did he need encouragement? Not sure. He'd done very well, passed the test. A little bit later, God himself adds to that encouragement. Moses is to encourage Joshua at God's command. Moses is the leader. Joshua is the apprentice. But God sees it's important enough to tell Moses directly, you encourage him. And then God does it directly himself. In uh, Joshua 1, most of us have read this passage and used it for our own personal encouragement. Let me read it really quickly. My servant Moses is dead. This is God speaking to Joshua. Now proceed across the Jordan, you and all the people, into the land that I'm giving them to the Israelites. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness, and it goes on the area, no one shall be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. For you shall put this people in possession of the land that I swore to their ancestors to give them. Only be strong and courageous. Be careful to act in accordance with the Lord. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left so that you may be successful wherever you go. From For then you shall make your way prosperous and then you shall be successful. I hereby command you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened or dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Did you get the strong and courageous theme? God putting courage into him. Commanding him to be strong and courageous. Courage isn't a feeling that we have. It's knowing the reasons that we can be courageous and strong. The power of encouragement comes primarily from a loving concern one individual has with another. Because love is the vital ingredient in encouragement. Encouragement is all about the other person. Encouragers are surprisingly thin on the ground. Have you noticed? Maybe that's because most of us are a bit too self-absorbed. Encouragers are a bit hard to find. 
especially when we need it. (laughs) They seem to be missing somehow. Encouragement has a ripple effect. The greater the positive influence we have on another person, the more likely that other person is to pass on the encouragement to someone else. So there's a ripple effect that happens when we begin to be encouragers. We affect other people. I've kept an encouragement file. It's just a couple of manila folders in a filing cabinet. I've kept it for about 25 years. And in it, I just throw cards that people give me, postcards, little letters, um, anything. Birthday cards that mean something special. And so it's built up to be quite an expansive encouragement file. I find it really helpful because so often I get discouraged. There's so much going on in life that discourages me that saps my courage. Things don't work out the way I think they ought to. I get discouraged. I've got a place that I can go to just find some encouragement. The Bible's full of encouragement. The Father is full of encouragement. And so we need to learn how to encourage ourselves as well as encouraging each other. The amazing thing is, encouragement is usually totally free. It's usually something you can do in less than five minutes. You've just got to be intentional about it. Let me tell you what I mean by encouragement. And here's my third point. The practice of encouragement. I'm not talking about a pat on the back saying, good job, Jeff. Hardly encourages me. Or, thanks for the birthday card, Joy. Sorry, it wasn't intentional. Sorry, accidental. (laughs) I'm talking about a deliberate intent to build up another person through encouragement. Intentional acts of kindness can have a powerful impact on people. You know, making a meal for someone who's in need, um, who needs support, helping with childcare, helping with gardening or ironing, giving them a a, a voucher, a voucher for a meal out not a moucher, visiting somebody, or if your relationship with them is not strong, not visiting. (laughs) A book, loaning them a DVD or a CD. Now those things are great and they can be really helpful to people. And sometimes words are inadequate. Sometimes uh, words don't count it. There's a lovely story in the Bible, in the book of Job. Job has a disastrous uh, turn of events. And uh, three of his friends come along. They don't work out to be very wise friends, but at the start of all his distress and dilemmas, he's sitting on the ground. And his three friends come along, and when they hear about his circumstance and situation, they do the Typical Eastern grief expression, expression of grief and loss. They, uh, they weep out loud, they tear their robes, they throw dust on their head. But then the loveliest thing happens. They've got nothing to say to him. So what do they do? They sit in the dust with him for seven days and seven nights and say nothing. Now there are some times that we just need to hold someone's hand 
because words become totally inadequate or that we need to give them a hug. There are times when words are inadequate. But I want to focus on the power of words in our last few minutes because the Bible tells me words are powerful. Here's Proverbs 12. Anxiety weighs down the human heart, but a good word cheers it up. And Hebrews 3. You must encourage one another each day. And you must keep on while there is still a time that can be called today. If you don't, then sin may fall some of you and make you stubborn. And Ephesians 4. Do not use harmful words, but only helpful words, the kind that build up and provide what is needed, so that what you say will do good to those who hear you. So I'm talking about the practice of encouragement, and I'm talking about words that are well-considered and are timely. Praying with and for another person. Prophesying over another person. If you're not too good at words, choose something that someone has already written. But don't choose the first card you see. And for goodness sake, don't choose a blank one. Choose a Bible verse. Write a letter. Send them a text message. There is so, so much we can do to encourage each other. Paul, the apostle, soundly converted on his way to Damascus to uh, arrest Christians and have them executed. After a few days, he begins to fulfill the sense of calling that God's got on his life and he starts to preach and he gets a reputation as being a powerful preacher in Damascus. Three years pass and he comes back, this time to Jerusalem where the church is headquartered and uh, he seeks to join the Christians in Jerusalem but they're a bit uncertain about his motives and they doubt the validity of his conversion and so they're a bit reticent to allow him to join them they're not going to let him preach that's for sure but Barnabas whose name means son of encouragement, sticks up for him, advocates for him, give the guy a go. If Barnabas hadn't encouraged them and encouraged Paul, Paul could have remained an itinerant preacher just wandering around the countryside on the periphery of the church. We might never have heard of Paul. Father is a constant source of encouragement. I'm talking about our Heavenly Father. The Bible is full of encouragement. So we have to take responsibility to encourage ourselves. But we also need frequent encouragement from our brothers and sisters. Encouragement not only works on Christians, you know, has an impact on shop assistants and mechanics. And workmates. In fact, everyone we meet can benefit by encouragement. We're at the end. I want to pull some threads together. The purpose of encouragement is to build us up to fulfill our destiny in God. That's what it's about. The practice of encouragement puts passion and heart and courage back into us. 
The practice of encouragement is primarily through words that are well considered and timely. Who can you encourage? What would a lifestyle of encouragement look like? How much further along the Christian journey would you be if you had had a daily dose of encouragement from your brothers and sisters? Interesting thought. Who needs your encouragement today? Who needs your encouragement tomorrow? When I was preparing, I was left with the thought, how can I encourage you? What can I say to you this morning that would encourage you? That would put passion and heart and courage into you? So I thought of Psalm 8. What is man that you're mindful of him? I thought of Isaiah 40, 31. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. I thought of Isaiah 49 too, Baz. So there's lots of Bible verses I could give you. But one of, the, one of the words that I take great encouragement from reading, and you would have seen it over and over again, but it's, uh, it's um, some words by Marianne Williamson, Often this is confused with um, a speech that Nelson Mandela uh, gave after his release from prison. But I want to read it to you today and you'll be able to read it on the screen as well. And I read this over you in a sense of prophetic but also to put heart and encouragement into you today. And so I'm going to read these words as the musicians come. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You're a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine, as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Encouragement liberates us from fear. And as we are set free, we are free to encourage others and see them set free to encourage others. so that they become who they are in Christ also. In his book, Encouragement Changes Everything, John Maxwell writes this, God's love for us gives us reason to encourage others. God's love in us gives us the ability 
to encourage others. God's love through us gives us the way to encourage others. Who can you remind of their true value today? At the heart of encouragement is simply reminding people of their true worth. Let's pray together. Our Father, we are so grateful for your goodness to us and the way in which you encourage us. We are so grateful that you have adopted us into your family and put us in relationship with others of your children. We are so grateful that we don't have to do this life on our own. And we are grateful today for your great love for us that puts courage and heart into us, that calls us forward to become more than we could ever become on our own, that in relationship with you and with your children, we can become what you've called us to be. And so we thank you today for who you are, for what you do, and who you have made us to be. We are in awe of you. But we are also needy people. And we need more and more of your encouragement. But we see and realize today that that encouragement is to enable us to fulfill your calling on us. So we accept the weight of responsibility that you've entrusted to us of encouraging one another. Please help us with ideas, with intent, with appropriate words that build up Please help us to be disciplined, not to just fill the silence with froth, but to be intentional in our conversations, to speak words that, that build up and not that tear down. I think there's a couple of things we need to do. I'd ask you to maybe stand to your feet Perhaps stand and uh, I think there are, there are people here today who are absolutely discouraged and it would be inappropriate for us to not um, try and impart some encouragement to them. So in a little while, not now, but in a little while, um, as we have a final song, I'm going to encourage, there's that word again, going to encourage people who are, who are maybe facing a situation that just saps your courage, saps your passion, whatever. We'd love to pray for you. We, we might not have any idea what you're going through. We don't need to really, but God knows. And uh, so we'll get some of the leaders to come and pray for you. But we'll do that in a little while. I think Maybe as we, uh, we close our eyes and uh, just reflect on God's goodness to us, 
I think um, we ought to give opportunity for people to respond to this God who is our master encourager. So I'm going to ask this morning that there might be people here who've never uh, submitted their lives to God. They've never, never seen him as being uh, relevant in their lives maybe. But today, maybe you realise that you have need of him or that you'd like to submit your life, ask him to come and be part of your life. We want to give you opportunity to respond today. Or it may be that you've... Um, you have been in relationship with God, but it's just kind of grown cold or you've wandered away. We want to give you opportunity to respond. So as every eye is closed, I'm going to ask in a minute that you might just slip your hand up. Not, not just yet, but let me explain what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you to indicate your willingness to have God as part of your life. We're not going to embarrass you. After, after you've done that, we're all going to pray a prayer, but it will be a prayer for you. But because we're in community, we're going to pray that together. So we're not going to embarrass you at all. We're not going to ask you to come down the front, but uh, we're just going to ask you to have, have a transaction between you and God. Lord Jesus I pray that your spirit would just touch people's hearts this morning. Those who've never responded to you, who, who can feel their heart beating quicker because they know they, they have need of you. They need you to rescue them. Rescue them from their sin, their lack of purpose. And so I pray that you'd be working on people's hearts right now, Lord. And work on our hearts too, Lord put courage into us. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen and God bless.